When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The New Statesman. Hi, I'm Anoush. I'm Rachel. And I'm Freddie. And this is the New Statesman's Politics Podcast. This is an episode we like to call You Ask Us. Hello, I'm Anusha Kellyan, Britain editor of The New Statesman and host of this podcast. And joining me in the studio, I have Rachel Wearmouth, deputy political editor, and Freddie Hayward, political correspondent. They've been digging around in our mailbag for your questions, and each of them have brought one for us to discuss. So, Rachel, which one did you go for? Right. So this is a question from Dan, who asks, do you think Birmingham City Council's recent Section 114 notice um, will mean Labour will be more wary of devolving power to local authorities? Okay, interesting question. So for any readers who haven't been following this story, this is the effective bankruptcy of um, Birmingham City Council. That's what a Section 114 notice means. Councils can't actually go bankrupt because they have to deliver certain services um, as their statutory duty. But it means that it gets stripped down to basic spending. Commissioners come in to help them run it. And, um, you know, they're basically in dire financial straits. And this is the second biggest council in Europe. This is a really big deal. It's England's second city. It's quite extraordinary that this would happen. What's happened here is slightly specific to Birmingham, but there's all sorts of other councils that have been going bankrupt recently lately as well. Um, What's happened in Birmingham is they've got this outstanding £760 million bill for equal pay claims. And this was after Um, an equal pay case was won back in 2012. And actually the ongoing liability, so the building cost of this is £14 million per month. Mm. Um, And they've also lost money on a new IT system that's been causing problems. I've been writing about Thurrock, which is a borough council, much smaller, but that's run up debts of more than £1.3 billion by investing in risky um, solar farms, which are nowhere near Thurrock, farms in Wiltshire and all sorts of other places. Um, Woking has gone bust. That's in Surrey, quite a significant council after um, speculating on sort of property investment, hotels and high rises. Similar thing went on in Croydon, Slough, Warrington. Northamptonshire County Council was actually abolished in 2021 um, after it tried to build its own commercial property portfolio. So I suppose the thing that um, links all of these is that they have been taking risks with their budgets, um, partly because of stupid decisions, reckless decisions, but also because of how tight council spending has had to be since 2010, when their central government grants began to be cut. I think they've lost 60% of their spending power since that time. And so you are seeing more and more councils going bankrupt. I remember going to Northamptonshire in 2018, just after that council had collapsed and speaking to the Tory MP there, Andrew Lua, who's still MP there, Northampton West. And he said to me, 
other well-run councils will eventually start going bankrupt in mm. two or three years' time, and that's exactly what's been happening. Yeah, I think there are 26 councils that are expecting to really? go bankrupt in the next two or three years. Wow. I mean, it's an endemic problem. I think when Birmingham went uh, bust, the government and the Tories were almost um, in elation because it was a, 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 a Labour, Labour council. council. But it's yeah. across the board. It's Labour and Conservative councils. Yeah. And as you say, Anoush, it's an indictment of the system itself. Uh, why do we have councils being forced to go into business? They're not business people. It's not what councils should be doing necessarily. They shouldn't be speculating on property. Um, and it's because they're in such a, a dire position financially that they feel that they have to take the risks uh, to try and uh, shore up their financial position in the future. Yeah. I mean, They've it, also been actively encouraged to take those yes. risks. So the coalition government and the following Tory yeah. government ministers were saying councils should be making these commercial yeah. investments. They, they abolished the audit commission, which was the thing that made sure they were spending their money properly and let them do these kind of risky things. Yeah, and the other point that you made about essential services is key because there has been, yeah, the central government grants to local government have cut, been cut by about 40% in the in the past decade, about 60% cut in overall uh, spending power. But as you say, they, they have to uh, ensure that they deliver uh, essential services, one of the biggest of which is social care. Um, and that means that all their money, their remaining money is still going to these essential services, which means the cuts to the rest of the services are much, much greater than 40%. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, that's why you're seeing in so many towns across the country, I think, the breakdown of social fabric, the closing of leisure centres, libraries. These are old austerity stories that we were familiar with at the start of the 2010s that are now coming back um, and becoming permanent. They're becoming a permanent feature of, of the country. And I think people are recognising that. Yeah, and I saw that in Thurrock with my own eyes when I went to go and report from there. It's really sad. It's just yeah. really sad. So people, their council tax has gone up 10% this year, might go up by another significant percentage in February when the council's meeting again to discuss raising tax again. And they're getting less and less for it. Their bins are overflowing. The theatre, library, museum complex, very important part of the social fabric there, um, is condemned. You know, it's, it's going to be closed down. Um, so they're losing that sort of cultural entertainment sort of facility that they have there. Uh, the cost of interring your, your relative's ashes yeah. is going to go up 9%. People who need a third parking permit, you know, probably people who have um, care needs, that's going to go up from uh, 15, I think, to 75 pounds. So, you know, you're, you're being pressed for every penny, mm. um, having to pay more tax, but getting much less for it in watching your local area degrade. So th this is extremely significant for people's day to day lives when councils go bust. It's not just a theoretical thing. To the question as oh, yeah, whether sorry, whether it would just make, like looking at his watch, like what's I going on. Do you on? feel there's like a consensus around handing more control out to mm. around the around the country? I don't yeah. feel like that's going to change. I feel like we're an outlier when it comes to kind of yeah. like developed nations, just how centralised all of like our economic levers are. So I don't think it'll necessarily change that just because we have councils that have financial problems that 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 mean that will mean that that they won't therefore get any powers when um mm. you know there are different ways you can kind of raise taxes locally um but also i think one of the interesting questions that kind of isn't explored here is that if birmingham city council had passed all of its planning applications and built all those new homes would it still be in the same financial mm -hmm. position that it's that it's, mm. that it's in now um, and you and know, if Labour's going to loosen planning rules, then maybe that will make it easier for councils to. Yeah, and when you look sort of at, um, for example, um, Scotland, they've kind of they've got a more progressive council tax system than um, than, than we. I mean, ours hasn't changed for like I don't know the year off the top of my head, but for for generations, our yeah. like council tax system has not has not changed, and Scotland's found a way of kind of protecting those on 
on middle incomes, um, mm -hmm. big council tax rises as well. So um, I don't feel like the consensus is changing just because some councils are having individual problems. No, yeah. I mean, Labour's big bill on this will be the take back control bill. That's mm -hmm. their, sort of, their sort of message on devolution. There's not really any detail from them on that. Uh, if you press them for it, they'll basically say that it's a way to uh, stop uh, devolution occurring on an ad hoc basis. They want to streamline the process. The coalition government did start a process of devolution and George Osborne and others were behind the creation of Metro Mayors and we've seen those be given more money, more powers mm. over the years. I think Labour are broadly on board with that. I do think there's evidence to suggest that there's a scepticism within Keir Starmer's office and maybe from Keir Starmer himself about Metro Mayors. If you look at the relationship between Westminster Labour, Andy Burnham, Sadiq Khan, Jamie Driscoll and other Metro Mayors, it's not been uh, that harmonious. It's not as if they're constantly championing uh, the successes of these Metro Mayors around the country. And that's fine. It doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to take all the power away. Uh, but I agree with Rachel. I do think there has been a broad consensus that's been created between the two parties. And we've also got to remember that historically having powerless local authorities isn't really the norm. It was Thatcher who got rid of so many of the city councils and uh, the GLC in London. I mean, you look back, speaking of Birmingham, look back into the Victorian era and you got someone like Joseph uh, Chamberlain, the mayor there, who invested so much in the uh, in the city and did so much for local infrastructure. So there is a tradition of devolving lots of power to different places around the country. It's just, and I think we're returning to that more that more normal situation. Yeah, yeah and, and Burnham, Burnham would probably counter to say, you know, a lot of my schemes of actually saving the exchequer money. Mm. Um, you know, so I think there are, where, where power has been devolved, there probably are many projects that they can point to to say, you know, like bus franchising. Yeah, yeah. But, and, but no one, no one expects that any of these problems will be solved over overnight. But I mean, one of the problems that I, I think one of the problems that councils have more generally is because of uh, um, this decade of austerity that we've had. Like, but people's perception of councils is is you know quite negative mm. in a lot of cases yeah. because they, you yeah. know the services they've they've received in recent years because councils individually have had less funding um, is, qu is quite poor. So Yes, yeah. And that could have implications for greater devolution because if you're asking people to vote for a, for a new mayor or a new layer of local government, that scepticism might come into it as well. Yes, I mean, I mean, in North East is a good example of when, yeah. um, you know, they um, had a referendum on, on a North East assembly and um, Dominic Cummings, who <laughs> 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 you see, who um, later became um, uh, a, a great winner of referenda. Um, <laughs> uh, he, um, they've, they've run a great campaign against, um, you know, another a, a new layer of government in, in the mm -hmm. northeast. You know, they had a big white elephant, and that was, you know, the, the, your, the taxpayer will be shelling out more money for new new officials. But um, yeah, I think the. But as I say, I think the direction of travel is now in one direction. Yeah, although it will be it will be a challenge for Labour coming in because if you're saying there's there's all of these, how many did you say, 26 more councils down mm. the line? Um, and, you know, even the ones that aren't on the brink of bankruptcy are in quite bad financial situations. Mm. Labour are going to have to do something to help them. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, this that's is going to be very costly. Yeah, what is the point of devolution if they don't have any money to yeah. implement policy or even just sustain the services that you normally expect from a council? So the the evolution question is interesting, but I think the more fundamental question is, are they going to redress the lack of funding that we've seen in the past 10 years or so? Because that's in many ways, uh, as we've discussed, one of the reasons that people feel that they need more power locally, they need their local issues solved and addressed by the by the council, just because the council doesn't have the money to do it. Is Labour going to redress that problem? I think that's a, a broader question almost than whether they continue with devolution.
And I saw this recently when I went to the West Country to Jacob Rees-Mogg's seat in northeast Somerset, where they've cut a bunch of local bus services. And this is where devolution ought to be working. There's the West of England mayor. Um, but then there's also the Bath and Northeast Somerset Council. Um, and these are sort of run by the West of England mayor's Labour. Bath Council is Lib Dem. And neither were accepting responsibility for these bus services disappearing. And there's about 42 that have, have been cancelled in the West Country. So people in that area aren't getting what they need from devolution. And that's because the money just isn't there to support these services. And another problem with the West of England Metro Mayor system is that it requires consensus between the council leaders. But unlike somewhere like Manchester, there is, there is a split between Labour and the Conservatives and there's mm. no consensus possible. After the break, Freddie will introduce his question. Give us a clue as to what's coming up. Um, we're going to be looking at why everything's so bad. <laughs> Which we haven't been doing no. at all. <laughs> if you're subscribed to The New Statesman, you can get all our episodes ad-free on the New Statesman app. You can get it on both iOS and Android. Just search for New Statesman on the App Store or Google Play Store. We'll be back after this. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. What's the question? So this is a question from Lucy who says, aren't we the fifth largest economy in the world, if true, or even close to true? How do we square that with our crumbling services? Yeah, actually, we're the sixth largest economy in the world since India overtook us um, in September last year. But the point stands. Uh, we're a very wealthy country on, on paper. Why is it that um, we have all these problems in the public realm that we've been speaking about? We spoke about earlier as well in, in, in local councils. Why is that? I mean, OK, I think it's a combination of many things. I think it's, it's short termism in, in government. I think we've got a, a massive productivity crisis. I think it's um, it's austerity. Uh, it's stagnation in, in, in public thinking about solving these problems. Yeah, I mean, I find this really interesting question um, because I think, you know, since sort of austerity kicked in and we've been seeing, like we were talking about on the previous question, yeah. we've been seeing sort of less and less for for what we what we pay into the system, especially in our local services. Um, you know, I think we've, we've all sort of assumed that they're on a bit of a decline. But I, I remember being asked to do a little bit on the world service recently. And I always think that's quite interesting when you do it, because you have to see Britain from the eyes of the world rather yeah. from, than from within. And they said it was on strikes. And they said, you know, because our listeners see Britain's public services as some of the best in the world, the gold standard. Mm. So can you explain what's going on in them? And I just thought I've, I've actually, you know, it's been a long time since I've ever thought sort of particularly warmly towards Britain's public services, yeah. really. Um, maybe just because of the job that I do. Perhaps people in Britain do feel that way. But um, it was interesting. So I do think that, um, you know, from around the world, there's this idea, especially of the NHS, of this kind of quite civic, well-functioning system. Yeah. And it just isn't that way anymore. And that really does jar with where the UK stands in the world, whether it's the fifth or the sixth yeah, largest economy. Yeah, but it economy. is worth noting that NHS funding hasn't fallen in real terms in the past no. 13 years or so. It's actually increased. It's that um, bar, bar the pandemic is the largest it's ever been. I mean, I think other factors that complicate that picture is that we've got a growing population and we've got an ageing population. Those two things place great strains on the NHS and they just 
place great strains on uh, on social care and local councils as well. They and it also means you've got fewer people in your economy who are being productive. You've got yeah. more retirees. You've got more people who are ill. There's lots of knock-on effects that mean um, that even though the NHS is getting more funding, the service itself might not be as good as it once was. Yeah, how do you square it with crumbling services? It's such, such a big and complicated question. Mm. This one, it's quite um, hard to put your finger on exactly why. I mean, there are lots of reasons for it. I think having an over-centralised economy means that, yeah. you know, where there are problems or things not working very well, we always think that Whitehall will be able to solve absolutely everything. Mm. Um, that's not always the case. It's better sometimes solved by someone who's very close to it. Um, I think the country generally just has very little patience with big infrastructure projects that could actually Im- improve productivity. HS2 um, potentially having its funding cut um in the sort of months and years ahead is, is a very good example of that. You know, it's one of one of the things that actually does cost a lot of money and may have a long-term benefit for the country, but we're not, you know, we, we become impatient with that kind of project very, very quickly. And we just haven't modernised many of our services for a very long time, therefore they cost more. Um, you know, like the NHS being probably the best example of that, huge, huge service, but yep. still using things like fax machines, you know, um, so that means that, it's, you know, processes just cost more and take longer mm. um and we're, we're demographically going through a period of adjustment where we've got you know people are living an awful awful lot longer mm. and that means they cost a bit more <laughs> and, 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 and it's harder to adapt services to them so it's like it's a really complicated question thanks to everyone who submitted questions we do read them all so please keep them coming in if you'd like to send us a question you can just go to newstatesman.com forward slash you ask us If you're listening on Spotify, scroll down on the episode page and leave a reply, and YouTube viewers can drop a question in the comments. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anusha Kellyan, and my colleagues Rachel Wearmouth and Freddie Haywood. We'll be back on Monday to discuss the revenge of the Trussites and the resurrection of Trussonomics. This episode was produced by Catherine Hughes.